It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 897 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, March the 4th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Also, please make sure you're subscribing to, rating, and reviewing uh, not just this Locked On show, but all the Locked On shows covering the teams that you like. If you like more than one sports team, like more than just the Raptors, we have a podcast for you that is uh, covering that team, whether it's in the NHL, MLB, other NBA teams you like, NFL, whatever it might be, we have you covered. Also, the College Channel going strong ahead of March Madness, which gets going in a couple weeks as well. So go and subscribe, support the shows that you want to support. All right, on today's show, we are diving in. It's one of my favorite formats of Locked On Raptors episode. It is, we dive into a piece that a friend from Raptors Internet wrote and kind of just go where it takes us. And joining me today, as it was promised earlier in the week and it got bumped because the Raptors kept changing their schedule on me or us. And, uh, you know, I didn't expect we would be sort of in the midst of a game day once again on this Thursday, but we're happy we can squeeze it in between the recap of the Pistons game and whatever post-Celtics podcast we're going to do on Friday. Uh, it's our friend Samson Folk from Raptors Republic. He wrote a wonderful piece about OG Ananobi making some steps towards stardom, question mark. Samson, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Moving towards the end of life at a slow pace that isn't quickening, <laughs> as we talked about prior to the podcast. I do have thoughts about the the games being postponed is... Maybe with great malice of forethought, Adam Silver decided that 
he doesn't want us talking about OG so close to the all-star snub conversation. He wants to keep mm. it kind of low over there just so there's not too much of an uproar. That would, uh, I mean, I wish that were a better explanation than the NBA's <laughs> just desire to crank out games and get to the end of the season and make all the money they possibly can. But as an alternative to the NBA's ghoulishness, I like that as an explanation. Uh, all right, Samson, we're going to dive into all angles of your piece about OG today. You did a wonderful job. If you have not read the piece, I gave you homework on the last episode and also on Twitter. So if you haven't read it, it's your own damn fault. Uh, so please go read it. Press pause in this podcast and then come back as we talk about it or do it the other way either way make sure you read the piece because it's excellent uh and you kind of dove into uh, in large part the offensive side of og's game the defense i think is pretty clear he's ridiculous he's defending one through five he's getting shout outs from zach Lowe about his defense on his podcast that's all good and we'll talk about the defense a little bit i'm sure here but the offensive side of the ball was more of the focus for you in this piece and sort of breaking it down into the different ways in which the raptors get og the ball uh, and so we'll go into some of the stuff he's doing well, some of the new stuff he's busting out this year. We'll also dive into some of the stuff that maybe hasn't quite percolated the way we hoped at the start of the season uh, and reasons for that. And then we can kind of take a look forward as to what to expect for the rest of this season and beyond for young OG Ananobi on your Toronto Raptors. So uh, let's dive in, Samson, to the question of stuff he's doing well this year you know you dove into a whole bunch of different areas in which he has improved in which he's showing flashes for you what do you think is the thing he's improved at the most or has shown out with the most maybe not even improving so much as just doing it for the first time so far this season it's the shooting for me the jump shot Mm -hmm. he he had a large dip in earlier on in his career and there's been minor tweaks to his mechanics for some time now and it's all been progressing towards a very stable, high pickup point, great set shot. He's not really a jump shooter. He's a set shooter. And even if you watch the shot he hit over Jalen Brown after Kyle Lowry's stupendous throw over Taco Fall, that that shot was, he caught it basically above his shoulders and it went up from there. It had to be quick. He has a really fast pickup point. It doesn't take him a long time to reset anything. And the control he has just from the shoulders up and the touch he has for his jump shot, I think is really important. And it's allowed him to shoot over better contests this year, which also Mm -hmm. allows the Raptors a lot better floor balance and spacing. So where players might have thought that they can get away with an extra step in if they're pinching in on a drive or something like that. With OG Ananobi, you can't really do that because... When you're closing out from four to six feet, which, you know, NBA's tracking data says that's where the guys leave their feet, you're ending up a lot closer with your contest where your arm is, Mm -hmm. but you're just not going to be able to contest his three-point shot well enough at that range. You have to get a lot tighter, and so that pulls guys farther out of the driving lanes for Lowry, Van Vliet, Pascal, whoever, and obviously just with his jump shooting He's hitting more often and more points is good. So I think that's the biggest difference is he's expediated his jump shot. The mechanics a little bit more expedient and he's obviously Mm -hmm. hitting at a very good rate, but it's also made the Raptors really reluctant on his floor spacing in a lot of their sets. So that's taken away some of his on ball opportunities, I think. Yeah, you made a really good point in the piece about how particularly earlier in the season when there were shooting struggles from Siakam and 
Powell and, you know, kind of a lot of the team early on that you couldn't really unleash OG on the ball because he was the best spacer to have out, out, out there on the floor. And we've seen a little bit more in terms of on-ball stuff from him recently, as you allude to, with the, uh, you know, improved shooting once again of Siakam and company in the last month or so here. Um, but I do want to linger on the stuff where he's working as a catch-and-shoot guy for a second here. Um, first of all, I do wonder if it's uh, unfair to judge a guy's ability to get shots off against contests when they do not have to play against Chris Boucher and Pascal Siakam. So my question to you is, Samson, is OG's three quick and high release point enough to survive a Chris Boucher closeout, do you think? We haven't seen it in practice. We don't get the the back footage. Maybe there's open gym footage to come. But is uh, OG's three-point shot, do you think, Chris Boucher-proof? I don't think there is any three-point shot that is Chris Boucher-proof, <laughs> to be honest. But I think his is more Chris Boucher-proof than most players. Like, he doesn't have a nasty hitch or anything like that. He's pretty seamless on his pickup. And it's just, it's very straight up and down. And Chris Boucher, if you got a hitch in your jump shot, those steps come really <laughs> quickly. And suddenly, it's kind of like Batman. It's some guy who's peddling drugs on the street. Poor guy just trying to get, you know, make a living. And Batman jumps out of nowhere and suddenly the sky is filled with his silhouette. That's kind of what Chris Boucher is to me for three-point shooters with a hitch in their shot. Yeah, that's uh, that's well put. There are no Chris Boucher-proof shots, except for Chris Boucher's, of course. Yeah. Um, obviously. Uh, so in terms of the catch-and-shoot stuff, so he's getting the ball in a few different ways, as you point out in the piece, in terms of when those three-point shots are coming. Obviously, he's a master at just receiving passes from Fred Van Vliet after Fred is driven into the trees and realizes, oh, I can't score here. I'm going to pass to a shooter. OG's often at the receiving end of those passes. He's been doing some work as a pick-and-pop shooter as well, as he's gotten more acclimatized to being sort of the de facto center on the floor for the Raptors. For you, what's your favorite like style of OG catch and shoot three and is the pick and pop becoming like a thing you'd like to see more often as they do kind of move further into their commitment to small ball I do really like when he's involved in screen actions because just the details and how he handles them he's getting much better on the roll Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi both of them will screw up steps and that it'll give the help side defense an opportunity to catch up when they're on the roll just how they collect the ball the best role men, they always know where their pickup point should be. They always know how to get to the bucket with their two steps. And if the defense comes hard, they can put the ball down and they can respond accordingly. OG and Pascal both have to work on that quite a bit. But put him in any screen action. Let whoever the person on ball is and he kind of work through their two-man game. And when he pops, I really, really enjoy it, whether that's him setting a pin down and kind of slipping back out of it or for a dribble handoff, anything like that. I love OG being involved in screening actions because he is Lou Dort, PJ Tucker, Kyle Lowry. He's a fire hydrant as well. He's tough to get mm -hmm. around. His craft should be getting better in that aspect of the game. And he's a great shooter. So when he pops, it's, it's important. And we can look at the second round series against the Celtics. I think it was game six where he hit, massive pick and pop triples and then even had a closeout on one dribbled into the lane and then found Powell for a three pointer. There's just so much to work with there and it helps develop some of the skills that I think will be paramount to him reaching his full potential. So I like the pick, the pick and pop the most, but spotting up is always going to be good. Forming up off of drives is very important. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, it's a well-taken point. Uh, lastly, on things that he's doing well, Samson, I mean, there's lots of things he's doing well. He rocks. He's very, very fun to watch. But um, you did sort of mention in the piece the sort of the bully ball ele- elements of, of things where, you know, off the bounce, he's just kind of sizing up dudes who were smaller than him and saying, I'm going to score on you. This happened with, or not smaller, larger. You, you mentioned how bigs in particular are meat for OG. Uh, and then a couple examples of wings where he did it against as well. I think Chris Middleton was one of the clips. I think Malcolm Brogdon as well. Um, you know, in terms of the way OG's drive game is developed, I think for me, there are very few more thrilling instances in a Raptors game these days than when OG decides he's going to drive because it's very, very manic. It's kind of like a rhino running into like a, a radio shack where it's just like, oh God, I, I fear for the defenders who are about to like receive these elbows. And yet, somehow he manages to finish these finish these drives with like grace and touch and like reverse finishes, and it's very sort of it takes you through many different levels and layers of OG and like the things he brings on a single drive just because of the violence followed by the grace. You know, how have you sort of taken in those drives, and do you think that's something that can become more than just a sort of once or twice a game type of thing for him? Yeah, the it's syncopated. It's off beat, and it's yeah. this is something Blake Murphy. Uh, I tweeted this out, and Blake, our love of Danny Brown was one of the first things we connected on. Danny Brown, an artist who <laughs> oftentimes is one of the most capable of rapping over syncopated beats, and OG Ananobi has a similar bent to his game that it's very off beat. It's very off kilter. And that's something that can't really be emulated by other players. Everybody has a sort of rhythm they run with. And OG's ability to keep defenders kind of guessing as to whether, you know, he he's, gets himself off balance all the time. But then there's an immense calm to him sometimes where he just gets that forearm out and pushes Chris Middleton way under the rim. You might ex- you might expect him to step way out of his body and fade away because he doesn't have all of his ex- extremities under control, or he could almost put semi-ogelet in a body bag. And so mm-hmm. there's just so much to his game that being off kilter affords you so many opportunities, especially as a tertiary player in the NBA, because there are quirks and rhythms that NBA players, especially defenses, are used to Raptors fans should know this when you watch their defense last year, especially how they moved in concert with one another. If somebody completely changes the rhythm of that and attacks just a fraction quicker, a fraction slower, and they have hesitation dribbles that just, it's a little bit different. OG possesses that. And I would love to see him put the ball on the floor more often just to see how it ends up. My only complaint is just when he's not able to get on balance and sometimes he'll bail out and it's just Mm -hmm. him staying within control of his body and sometimes he can get a little bit wild. But I do think the off the dribble stuff once or twice a game that can improve and there's playing with a guy like Fred Van Vliet who doesn't create a lot of opportunities for his teammates to get to the bucket, for example, but if OG is going to keep developing, taking all the closeouts that he has where Fred is kicking it out work on that, you know, pump and drive game and see what happens because he'll have lots of those opportunities. He and Fred are both signed on for the next four years. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that's, that's something I look forward to. And it's something that I hope he keeps working on and it's important. I think it can grow past one or one or two a game. The way you just described him kind of conjures images of like a tall chiseled bony DeLon Wright. And I like that. (laughs) I'm a a big fan. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, shout out to Blake, as always. Uh, okay, we got to dive into some of the stuff that maybe OG hasn't quite added to his repertoire just yet. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell everybody uh, first about our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And look, this is being recorded on Wednesday before the Raptors play their skeleton game against the Detroit Pistons. So we don't know how this one ended, but I'm going to assume Kyle Lowry did some awesome stuff. And that is enough to get Kyle Lowry the nod as the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Joy creates success, much like Kyle Lowry creates good things for the Raptors whenever whenever he's on the floor. Enjoyment is not the end game. It is the whole game, both for Michelob Ultra and for Kyle Lowry. And uh, forever, shout out to Kyle Lowry. He's the freaking best. He should be kind of the standing Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, honestly. And uh, that that's it's a title that's going to be difficult to knock off for whoever comes along next week because Kyle rules and everything he does makes the Raptors hum. And stop trying to trade him! is basically what I'm using this segment for uh, <laughs> to, to use uh, as propaganda against the idea of trading away Kyle Lowry, because why would you? He brings joy, happiness, enjoyment, much like Michelob Ultra does at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? You don't have to choose with Kyle Lowry. He is both ends of that question. He rocks, and he is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, and you can also bet on, like, Croatian basketball or uh, probably, like, handball. I don't know. I haven't checked the handball odds today, but I'm sure there's something along those lines in there. Real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets in it is free to sign up. Head over to betonline.ag and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Samson, let's finish uh, our conversation about OG. I guess we're only in the middle of the conversation about OG. We're not, we're not finishing anything anytime soon. Uh, let's dive into the things that OG can maybe work on or that the Raptors can work on letting him do, I suppose. Um, I, I think... The interesting place to start is the pull-up game, because obviously, if anyone ever has designs on being more than a super-duper role player, as OG is right now, I think you could argue, there's got to be some off-the-bounce juice, there's got to be uh, an ability to pull up from mid-range, from three, whatever it might be, that's kind of the key to unlocking a whole new ceiling for a player. Where do you think... OG's that at in that progression, Samson, and do you think it's sort of attainable? Maybe not this season, as there's very clearly an important role he's playing, and as they go small, he's probably going to assume that hyper role player mantle even more so than he would if they were playing with a traditional big man setup. Um, but from what you've seen from the numbers you kind of combed through, is there something to work with there, or is it uh, kind of a longer term? Hopefully, this can come two, three, four years down the road where he is an off the dribble threat. Um, you know kind of from anywhere on the floor yeah this is one of the most interesting things to try and project in the nba because there are guys who completely they take you out of your seat with their ability to improve in the middle or at the end of their career pascal siakam nobody well maybe there were some people i'm sure but the majority of people did not foresee what he is right now and people are still expecting more of pascal because he's given them something to look at Thaddeus Young in Chicago is having an incredible playmaking year, and he's just kind of put that in his game now. And so it's you can never really say a player isn't going to do something 
but relative to what we usually see. Of course, OG can transcend that stuff, but his statistical profile does not really lend itself to the type of player who is on ball a bunch, is spamming pick and roll, and is could ISO anywhere on the floor at high usage. That doesn't look like it's a part of his game. His handle and his body control, and, and we haven't seen any type of high usage play from him, really, and just his ability to take guys of a similar size off the dribble. None of that really shines. And so it makes it so that he's a lot more comfortable attacking in the trenches and he's more comfortable getting a post up against a small or getting to size up on an isolation against a big and just being a guy who can come in and take advantage of it. Of course he can improve, but the bones of great role player stuff are there. And, you know, there's stuff that he could improve on as far as off the dribble, but it's tough to look at the usage rate. Sorry. His, his three-point shooting, the pull-up aspect of it, he hasn't hit a single pull-up three yet this year. It's a mm-hmm. super funky stat. It, it doesn't mean anything really because he's a good jump shooter. He's a, he has quality mechanics, and he's hit a few more mid-range pull-ups this year, but he just hasn't hit any three-point pull-ups, which affects how defenses play you if you want to be dangerous off the dribble and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a lot of that stuff to even get a, a – Sorry, to even get an organization to buy into giving you that many possessions, you kind of have to have carte blanche as a high draft pick, or you have mm-hmm. to start showing a lot of stuff all at once. Zach Levine, for example, he's, he's doing it at such a rate that you can't really take the ball out of his hands. OG doesn't warrant anything like that. And so even though a lot of people, myself included, would like to see more possessions, he doesn't really command that. And there's a hierarchy of guys like Fred who want to progress on ball, of guys like Pascal who want to progress on ball, and even Norm kind of with the extra pick Mm -hmm. and roll possessions he's had this year and his high percentile rating in that play type. There's guys who are saying, it's going to be me. And there's no reason to go to OG unless you're invested in him becoming that. And to dictate that you do that, you have to show a bunch at once. I'm repeating myself, yes, but... OG, it's a a tough road ahead, but he has to work hard to get there, and we'll see. Yeah, look, I I mean, not every player needs to be a high-usage superstar, right? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. if you're paying a guy 18 million bucks a year, you're not, you know, kind of hinting that you're actually expecting that from him. And I think already... If he were making eighteen million bucks for what he's eighteen million bucks for what he's doing this year, I mean that's surplus value. I think he's been outstanding, and the defensive side of the ball, which we haven't really focused on here, like that's an enormous part mm-hmm. of what OG brings. And so he doesn't have to be that level of player. He's not under the same sort of pressure as Pascal Siakam, considering his contract to be a number one or two option. He can kind of be just an everyman who does basically everything sort of well to great in terms of maybe stuff where he's working more as a role player off the ball that is 100% okay and I don't want to you know put a ceiling on the guy or anything like that but I do think you know the 
oh, he could just be Kawhi again. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Come on. what Kawhi is like a once-in-a-generation type player and development story. And maybe you get another one of those, but maybe you don't. And you just end up with, oh, bother, one of the best role players who could be on the floor for any team in the NBA in crunch time of a game seven and be totally fine with it, right? Like, that's a a perfectly acceptable ceiling for OG to hit, and he might already be there, which is super exciting and fun. Um, I also kind of think, you know... Like you said, you have to have like a reason to give a guy possessions like that. And like with Pascal, for example, Kawhi Leonard left. There was the vacuum at the top of the hierarchy. Okay, let's see what you can do. You had a really nice showing last year. Maybe there's something that you can scale up here. And he could to a degree. Um, With OG, this isn't a team that's lacking for a number one option or even a number two or a number three. This isn't a team that is in full development mode where they can just say, okay, go ahead, OG, you know, run, you know, 20 pick and rolls a game and see what happens. Like this is a team invested in winning, as I expect they will be going forward here. But within the construct of the team and the players they have, I kind of think he's just a perfect dude to pair with what you already have in the in the in the mix and going forward like if he can just improve on the the screening and the working as a dive man and the catch and shoot and the odd you know off the bounce sort of flourish I mean you're just looking at an excellent excellent player that never takes anything away and is often giving you um, like all world level production on the defensive end it's just there should not be this urge to see OG become this uh, sort of ball-dominant, transcendent star because he can very much be a transcendent star among role players, and I think that is an exceptionally valuable thing to have. I mean, look, it's so easy to make, like, the Draymond Green comparison, but that is kind of the comparison in a lot of ways where it's like, yeah, Draymond is not the best player on his team. He's never been asked to be the best player on his team, but everything he does is done at an exceptionally high level, and it makes the team that much better. Do you kind of view that being OG's lane? And like, that's not even, like I said, it's not to denigrate what he can do. It's just he's really good at these things that kind of suit him perfectly for that, you know, third, fourth option on a really good team spot. Yeah, this is the sweet spot of the OG conversation is that he's already used the term surplus value. He's he's less than four million this year. 18 million kicks in next year and all of his and keep in mind, like we also don't know what the organization thinks or even Nick Nurse because Pascal Siakam profiles as a number one guy, is paid like a number one guy, has a great percentile in the pick and roll. He, you get great returns on that play and even he can't get 20 pick and rolls a game. So what the Raptors want to do and how they view their team building could be quite a lot different from how you and I view it and what we want. But also I wrote a piece as soon as OG signed his extension and it's titled OG Ananobi's extension rescues optimism and surprise from the clutches of death. And it was because (laughs) you don't have to worry about the fan base turning on him because of his contract. You literally, you just do not have to worry about that. OG is going to be worth at the very bare minimum 18 million a year. He is, he has the top tier scalable skill set. He defends at, at the, you know, at the minimum an all NBA level. And there's, you know, 20, 25 guys every year who defend at that level. Only 10 get chosen. OG is going to be in that group for the lion's share of his minutes, his career, whatever. As we talked about at the top, shoots well, not just wide open in the type that Milwaukee Bucks or San Ilyasova, he's going to crumble in a playoff series when there's a little bit more pressure, but he shoots it well in the playoffs, in close games, fourth quarters. He is just the perfect 
He's a perfect role player for high quality teams. He will fit mm -hmm. next to anybody. And if you start getting more, you just clap your hands and say, hell yeah, I guess I'm getting more. So Draymond Green, a supercharged Robert Ori, whatever it is, the the seat or sorry, the floor of his game is exceptionally high and he'll be able to vibe with any type of team building that the Raptors want to go. And that's fans love that. And they should, because it's the mm -hmm. easiest guy to cheer for is the guy who always appears to be overachieving. And the fact that it, you know, it's stupid that we ever have to worry about how much a player makes like that. They're always yes. having their, their pockets <laughs> counted, but that is the name of the game currently in a salary cap sport. So nobody's going to be counting OG's pockets. And if they are, they're going to be swarmed by a bunch of people saying he's actually at less than market value. So just leave mm -hmm. it alone. And yeah, supercharged Robert Dory, Draymond Green, whatever you want it to be, he's he'll be super valuable at the very least. And, you know, there's always room for more. Yeah, like if Hito Turgaloo cared about defense on the Magic, uh, <laughs> 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 there you go. Uh, sorry to invoke uh, OG's name in the same sentence as Hito, but he was good at some point in his career before things went to shit. Uh, we're going to finish up and just kind of take a look at what to expect this season as the Raptors continue to move small and uh, beyond as well in the final segment. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at rockauto.com, the company that is saving you money on auto parts that the mechanic is very much not trying to save you money on. rockauto.com is a family business. They serve auto parts customers online for the last 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you might need from the important stuff like engine-related things to aesthetic things like carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. I'm an idiot, and I can very capably manage the navigation of rockauto.com's catalog. It's so easy to navigate. You just plug in the make, model, year for your car, and you don't just get one option. You get multiple options for the part that you want for your car from the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you as well amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need rockauto.com hey guys it's walker mail host of the locked on hornets podcast and being around sports media and a fan of the hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience what if the seahawks let marshawn run on the one yard line with the super bowl on the line or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, just a heads up, on Friday's episode, I believe we'll be joined by Alan Shane Lewis, the host of the Great Canadian Baking Show, huge Raptors fan. He was supposed to come on Thursday, but the Raptors are playing the game against the Celtics and everything got thrown out of whack. So I believe we're going to be able to get Alan on tomorrow. If not, we will get Alan on very, very soon because he's awesome. Also, on Monday, uh, Vivek, Sahal, and I are going to 
take a look at our over-under picks from the start of the season and see how we're doing. That's always a fun episode, so check out that on Monday after the All-Star game. All right, Samson, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, I want to kind of talk a little bit about OG and how you think his development might chart this season now that he is kind of being asked to play center quite a bit. I mean, they're kind of oscillating back and forth between him and Pascal being the nominal center, I guess. I feel like everyone's kind of understanding right now that OG is a better pure center in terms of the skills you typically need from that position, and he's doing quite well when he's been asked to do it. Uh, I'm curious, do you think his trajectory could be changed at all by the way they're going to be deploying him, presumably for the rest of the season, barring some center addition that sends them back to something more traditional? Yeah, that's really interesting because they could end up finding themselves, and this is where it's interesting, right, is that he could start dictating more possessions because he has shown, I wrote, like I did the same thing last year when I looked at all of his shots off the dribble and I said, this is what I found, and that's where I first realized pre-bubble, oh, OG will take any big man off the dribble from Bam Adebayo to Damana Sabonis, slow-footed versus very quick-footed. He can do it. If he's being put in a lot of these positions, there will be more games like his seven-steal, 32-point game last year against Nikola Jokic, where Jokic was dropping. OG hit a bunch of threes. He harassed all of their above-the-break sets and stole a bunch of wing-to-point or point-to-wing passes. For any big man who is playing against OG, if they want to get elbow touches, it's going to be hell. The posting up is going to be easier because OG is actually, he's not six foot 11 and the biggest dude ever. So post up is still difficult for him to guard. But on the offensive side, he can take guys off the dribble. He can punish a dropping defense. And so the Raptors, it might become the most advantageous play on the floor at times to feature OG heavily if he's playing more of that nominal center role, which has been a little bit more shared, I would say this year between Pascal and OG Pascal has actually taken quite a few more possessions when they're sharing the front court, guarding the the bigger guy on the floor for the other team. But offensively, a lot of teams, they, they go with the center on OG because there's less of that uh, potency off the dribble. If they are doing this, I actually do think, and this is something I've seen over the past, you know, seven or eight games is that, OG has gotten way more touches as far as how he's able to attack and opportunities off the bounce. So if this is the case, if they're not looking for a center at the deadline, if they don't succeed and Aaron Baines is kind of relegated to between 10 to 25 minutes off the bench, if things go well, if things go bad, OG will definitely get a lot more opportunities because I think that's what other defensive schemes will dictate. And the good thing is OG seems to be able to take advantage of those. So I'm excited if that is the case. Defensively, I hope he can hold up. I don't know what this says about maybe his all-NBA case, and I'm sure teams, or sorry, people will want to vote Fred in instead of OG anyway just because of Fred's mm. absurd defensive statistics and because <laughs> he's kind of a, he's, he's a rising star this year to some degree. But OG getting trading in some of those point-to-wing steals for locks that come on help side rotations stuff like that i wonder if that would help or hurt his all nba uh status but i i'm really not sure but i do think it's something if this is the case yes more possessions more shots where he's comfortable and can take advantage which that kicks ass quite frankly yeah totally um you make a good point about the all defense thing it feels like the fred case has already been made and is signed sealed Mm -hmm. and delivered 
Um, I, I was glad to hear the Zach Lowe OG shout out and the amazement at uh, his defense on his podcast because that's the kind of stuff you need to get the the campaign going. It's the propaganda, baby. Shout out to Zach for uh, for taking part. Um, but yeah, he he is I think a little bit more understated in terms of his numbers. But I, I think if you were asked to ask me to who I'd prefer to start a defense with, I would take OG over Fred. Mm-hmm. No, nothing against Fred, but OG is a monster who blows up everything all over the place and can guard the same people that Fred can guard, and then also the talls. Um, I think there's an interesting thing too, where maybe this year because of the way the roster is constructed, they have to play OG more as a nominal big. And it kind of works a little bit in the way... Remember when the Wolves had Zach Levine basically playing point guard for them because they didn't have a point guard? And he wasn't necessarily great at it. I mean, so that's maybe not the best comparison because OG's already good at the big man stuff. But I do think the skill development that just kind of had to happen with OG... or Sorry, with Levine playing a point guard position that he wasn't really cut out for... As it must have helped him later in his career just be more well-rounded and just kind of helped him grow into what he is today. And I wonder if that's a similar thing where, okay, maybe they have designs on OG being a more traditional wing who could do some creation down the line, but it never hurts to have these skills in your back pocket and perfecting them over the course of a season. Not the worst way to go about development either. It's just an interesting little thing that, you know, just because it's what he's doing this year doesn't necessarily mean it has to be what his lot is going forward for the rest of his career. He's still very young and has a whole ass contract in front of him uh, for the Raptors to kind of try out different things with him. And it's very exciting. Um, Samson, any uh, parting shots on OG before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, I have thoughts on what you said just sure. recently was uh, as far as rounding out your skill set. I think players hate that because it takes away from what they're really good at. And I think a lot of times they're trying to do what gets them paid, which hell yeah, dude, get paid. And (laughs) a lot of the guys who end up in ill-fitted positions end up as really positive bench players down the road. This almost happened to DeMar DeRozan. DeMar got a bunch of possessions as a number one guy and everybody said, he can't do the number one guy. You know what he'd be really good as? A sixth man. But then he kept improving and now... You know, the six-man stuff is maybe a little bit irrelevant, but that happens to players all the time. But OG, I think he's already so good at the ancillary stuff that he'll just be in a spot where he never gets put in that position, and he doesn't require the ball either. But that's an interesting thing you brought up. I think that puts a lot of guys on benches late in their career or in the back end of the middle of their career. And, uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing. You should have somebody smarter than me and more knowledgeable to talk about that. It's like a fully flushed-out thing. We'll get a, a Wolves person on to talk about Zach Levine's <laughs> tour as a point guard. That sounds like a depressing episode of the podcast. But we live in depressing times, Samson. This was not a depressing episode, though. Thank you for coming on, man. This was great. Got to nerd out over OG and a piece you wrote. It's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, do you have anything in addition to the piece that you'd like to promote? And where can people find you? Uh, you can just find me on uh, Twitter. And uh, if you're on YouTube, uh, I co-host a podcast called uh, Bouncing Around where... We talk about, you know, very specific sets and very specific basketball stuff. If you're a basketball purist, I know that's not for everybody, but you'll probably enjoy that podcast a lot. My co-host is the NBA Clips King, Evan Gualberto. He, you've probably seen some of his videos on YouTube at some point in time. And uh, since we're talking about OG, a uh, big shout out, Emma Brown, who is a wonderful contributor to any and all OG dialogue on Twitter. So you should follow her too. But If you're listening to this now, you're already doing so much for me. I hope you enjoyed what I thought. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for having me on, man. I've really enjoyed being able to talk about my piece. 
Of course, dude. Uh, anytime. Keep writing good stuff, and uh, it makes my life a lot easier when my friends write good things. And I can talk to them about it, um, and it's always good to to promote and you know scratch each other's backs. Uh, also, yeah, shout out to Emma. I'm sure just listening to this entire episode, beaming with glee that we've d- d- devoted an entire episode to OG. Emma's the best, uh, and all of the listeners are the best. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We will be back again, as I said, on Friday, hopefully with Alan Shane Lewis of The Great Canadian Baking Show. That should be a lot of fun. We'll take a look at the first part of the season, maybe talk a little bit about baking and Battenberg cakes and stuff like that. Uh, that'd be great. And uh, support the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. It's always appreciated. If you have not checked out our friend Mike DeStefano over on Locked On Leafs, go do that. The Leafs are kicking ass right now. They're the number one team in the league, and they are uh, just like laying waste to the North Division, which you love to see. Go and listen to our friend Mike over there on Locked On Leafs every single day. That'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.